Welcome again to one of the Cood Street Podcast's short discussions of 10 Minutes With. This is Gary Wolf, and today I'm delighted to spend several minutes with uh, Brian Evanson, who is a writer who's had uh, a great deal of respect both in and out of genre communities, literary communities, creative writing communities. How are you today, Brian? I'm good, Gary. How are you doing? Doing well. Um, I was uh, thinking about... Um, some of your earlier uh, novels, like Last Days, which aren't really apocalyptic, but feel weirdly appropriate for this kind of situation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I do feel like my work uh, feels appropriate for this situation, which either means you, you should be reading it now or probably should wait till this current situation is over <laughs> before you read it. I don't know which one. It depends on your personality, I think. I suppose that's true. Well, what are you reading now, and, uh, and, and is it doing you any good? Um, well, I've, I've been reading various things. Uh, I uh, just read uh, Dino Pizzotti's Catastrophe, which is a book of short stories. Uh-huh. And that's it's a great book, um, but I would not recommend it for this time because so much of it is about catastrophe. There's a pandemic that goes on in one of the stories. Oh, dear. And so at, at a certain moment, I started thinking, well... This is this is probably the book I should read after this is all over, <laughs> um, but I ended up finishing it anyway. Um, and then I just read probably you've read this as well, um, the new um, Gene Wolfe book, uh, uh, Inter Interlibrary Library Loan, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and reread A Borrowed Man, the the book that is that that's a sequel to, kind of just in preparation for reading that, um, and. A Borrowed Man, I, I I hadn't liked it as much the first time I read it, but I really I, I admired it much more the second time. I had, I had exactly the same reaction because whenever I'm reading a Gene Wolfe novel, I have this nagging sense that I'm missing about a third of what's going on. Yeah. And and I, it was clear that he'd been thinking about um, Interlibrary Loan even as he was finishing up A Borrowed Man. And there's something uh, elegiac, it seems to me, about those novels. I mean, the idea yeah. of a writer, knowing he's at the end of his career, writing a novel about a world in which writers simply exist on library shelves. Right, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I found it very moving, actually. I thought that, it, yeah. it, uh, you know, together they, they, they do something really remarkable. And there is something very elegiac and also um, uh, pretty sad in some ways about the the second volume and where it gets to the kind of exchange of different selves that goes on in that. Right. Uh, and yeah. And, and the idea of seeing an earlier version of yourself murdered. Yeah. Just strikes me something that almost any writer could identify. Oh no, I love that. And you know, that's, that's something that I just, you know, I wish I'd, I'd written and I probably will write it in some fashion <laughs> or other. Um, but yeah, I, I just think that's a really great, great moment. So mm-hmm. it, so, yeah. and that's been kind of part of, I, I think since since Gene died, I've been rereading his work just slowly and going through things. So, mm-hmm. um, and the the thing I'm in the middle of right now is, uh, which I haven't read before, is Free Live Free. Um, but that that has been for whatever reason hard to kind of read as as events are going on in the world. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I, I did find uh, Interlibrary Loan pretty readable uh, during this particular moment. Yeah, and I, I don't know. One of the things we'll probably never know unless we talk to somebody is whether that book got edited much at all because, yeah, uh, according to Neil Gaiman, he had turned it in 
like a couple of weeks before he died, I think. Mm. Very cool. Yeah. Anything yeah, I else? You do want to that. Oh, go ahead. Uh, no, you oh, forget. go ahead, sorry. <laughs> I was just going to change the subject to see if there's anything else that you've been reading that you wanted to mention. Uh, what else is there, Ben? Um, I, I've been looking at uh, Blackwood, Algernon Blackwood, um, hmm. kind of even going back to some of his work. And, and there's been, it turns out there's a lot of his work that I haven't read before. And it's been interesting to do that. I, I, so I read Incredible Adventures, uh, which I think is four or five stories, can't remember, all pretty long and, and, uh, and quite interesting, some of them. Um, and yeah, I don't know what that is going to lead to or, or why I feel compelled to read Blackwood at this particular moment. But he's been, um, I don't know, there's something comforting about reading something like that at <laughs> you know, during his, a pandemic, and his his work holds up pretty well. You think? Uh, yeah, some some definitely holds up better than others. I mean, the thing that's been interesting to me is to see how much of uh, the thing that I see is characterizing. I, I taught the Willows. I, I was I'm teaching a horror class this semester. Ah, okay. And that's the thing that made me think, oh, I should go and and reread some stuff. And and then I realized, oh, there's all these pieces I haven't read by him. Um, but but there's so much of of the thing that goes on in the willows, the kind of suggesting suggestion and, you know, the restraint of that piece that you just find in all the other pieces too. It's, it's interesting to see him play that out in different ways. So, so I don't know if I would recommend rereading all of Blackwood, but it's definitely, there've been pieces here and there that I've really liked so far. Do you have any um, ideas of what you would consider comfort reading? I mean, you basically, said that maybe it's not the best idea to read uh, Duna Bozzati, but <laughs> what would what would you suggest people read in a stressful time? Well, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it's a hard thing. For, for me, the hardest thing is focus at this particular moment. And so if I read something that's that's super complex, then then mostly I can't get into it. Um, but yet every once in a while, I'll read something pretty complex and it'll it'll bring me in. And uh-huh. that'll be pretty satisfying. Um, so I read um, Namwali Serpel's uh, The Old Drift, um, which is a, a kind of massive um, multi-generation um, story about different families kind of interacting that has Part- a kind of speculative mm-hmm. element at the end. Sorry. I was going to say it's partly science. It, it's it's right. like three or four different time periods, and one of them yeah. is in the future. It sounds a little bit like David Mitchell. Yeah, it has that feel to it a little bit, and and it is. It's that the last section kind of has a science fictional or speculative uh, element to it, which is not super dominant, but it's definitely there and really interesting to to think about how do you kind of move from realism to to something else, um, and you know, and that I think it was something about just the the expanse of that that really took me in, and and the the idea of the, of you're covering so much time and you're you're out in the world. <laughs> Um, that that was really just I found very comforting, and even though it's very complicated, um, it just it really um, worked for me. I started that I have not uh, because it's long. I, it's I, very long, yeah. It's complicated, uh, six hundred pages, I think. And 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 it also is one of these uh, novels and, and stories we've been seeing. Well, they've been around for a long time. I've been seeing them for the last few years that make you rethink what African fiction is all about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and she, um, yeah, I, I think it's her first book, which is remarkable. It's it's an incredible book for a first book. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, yeah, it really is is 
thinking about African history and thinking about a history of a particular country in in very complex ways. It's very, um, you know, very very um, yeah. It's it's quite good. I mean, I think it's it's really um, amazing just in terms of how it opens up our sense of Africa. Well, what I did uh, notice in the, in the in the part I read was that the language was just gorgeous. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that may be the thing is if if the language is really gorgeous, even if the work is pretty complex, I can kind of you know get involved in it. Yeah, I can understand so, that as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, what but, do you? Uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, yeah, you go, go ahead. I was just going to ask if um, if there are things that you have either out in the world or coming out in the world that you'd like to mention. Uh. You know, I, I I sold a book to Coffee House, uh, a new collection of stories, which is is uh, um, called the 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 um, the glassy burning floor of hell. So it's a very cheery title. The glassy uh, burning floor of hell. Yeah. Okay. Um, which is it's a line from a Margaret a Marguerite Young novel, uh, Miss Macintosh, oh. my darling, that just really stuck with me for some reason. It's and. Uh, you know that won't be out till I think summer of 2021, so it's a ways away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then other than that, um, yeah, you know, I, I haven't. I've had a hard time writing. I finally finished the story um, uh, actually last night and sent it to someone. Um, but that's been the first thing I've managed to really write since early March. Well, uh, I can understand that, but yeah, it's, but it's not it's not that long ago since your previous story collection was out, wasn't that? Late last year? It was, yeah, it was, uh, yes, uh, July of last year. So okay. About a year, so, so yeah, it'll be about two years between the two collections, which is which is great. I'm I'm happy with that kind of um, rate, I guess. Well, do you feel um, no impulse to be writing novels now because of just the like you like you say the problem with focus? I think everybody yeah. is distracted and um, yeah. Well, you know, it's a funny thing. And then I also have the distractions of school and, and then moving online with school has been just oh yeah exhausting. <laughs> um, exhausting and not nearly as satisfying, but uh, necessary for sure. But you were, you were one of the uh, uh, several friends of mine were caught in the middle where you, you actually had classes going on and had yeah. to convert them overnight virtually. Yeah, we we uh, yeah they 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 gave us a week off and then we had spring break and then we came back and we were online and uh, um, yeah I mean I I can do it for sure and there's things that that work fine about it but it's mm-hmm. definitely not my preferred mode of instruction and then also a lot of time just had to go into preparing that. Well, uh, yeah, that, that that's what happened. I taught online uh, the yeah. last year or so before I retired, but. You know, I would spend weeks preparing the online classes and setting them right. up and, and trying to do that over a period of, well, you had two weeks, which is better yeah. than some people who basically <laughs> right. had a weekend. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is I've done it on, I've done some online teaching too. And as long as you have some time to kind of thoughtfully do it, that's great. But it's like you're, you know, it's kind of like taking a, you know, a, a, a car and trying to re-engineer it to be a submarine. Exactly. Because <laughs> you already have this course that you're in the middle of. And, you know, I was doing this horror course um, and uh, uh, it turned out that that every single film that I was planning to show them were things that they could not get to online through our, our system mm-hmm. that they paid for. So suddenly I had to, like, drop all those and, and, you know, figure out how can I resign this, redesign this course with the stuff that the library has available. 
just as a, a point of curiosity, because uh, people have so different reactions, is teaching writing or teaching literature both, uh, is that something that you think benefits your fiction or, or competes with it, your own writing? Well, I, I think the time it takes can definitely compete with it, but but you know, generally I find it a benefit. I feel like, I mean, I'm lucky enough to be able to teach classes where I can, you know, really design the classes. Yeah. And and make choices, and so so often I kind of direct them towards things I'm interested in. So I'm teaching a class in the fall because partly because the students want me to on speculative fiction and and thinking about very specifically about particular genres that that you know get called that and that's a way of of me thinking about you know what i'm doing in my own work and yeah. um yeah and you know student work is is uh you know it, <laughs> some sometimes i find it really inspiring and and often i i the thing i was saying earlier can happen where i'll be reading something and 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 think oh well this could also go this direction and that will just start my mind thinking about other possibilities and maybe will eventually lead me to a story. So, so overall, it's good, I think. Well, that's good to hear. Well, once again, I wanted to thank you for being with us. Once again, this is the uh, Coon Street Podcast. We've been spending 10 minutes with Brian Evanson. And thank you so much for joining us, Brian. You're welcome. It's been a pleasure.